rolling along with you on your workday routine. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Goodest of mornings to the nation. Welcome to a new week, not so new us. But the great thing is that you're already great the way you are. And you can keep adding to that each and every day. Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor, hang with you until 10 a.m. And joining us on our telephone line, as he does each and every Tuesday, the man who I learn more and more about each week, get cooler and cooler as that information trickles out. But he works for Yahoo Sports, does a ton of content for them. Fox Sports Radio on the weekends, firmly of ESPN. Jason Fitz. Fitzy, what's cracking? Well, that's not good. That's not good, Vindog. That uh, was not his voice. It is not. Right there. What's happening? Um, we, I'm going to work we'll, on this. We'll try to get that. Uh, we'll try to get that figured out. Um, one thing that I want to talk to Fitzy about, uh, and I tweeted this yesterday. I've done a lot of uh, looking into the quarterbacks. Finally, have some time to really just be able to to devote that um, you know uh, energy to to watching uh, as much film. And I gotta say, Lindsay, that. Um, I could be wrong, and I'm going to ask Jason about this when we get him on the line, but this is starting to feel like a 2020 draft class, uh, quarterback class. When you had Joe Burrow, you had Tua, you had Justin Herbert, you had Jordan Love, uh, and you had um, Justin, or not Justin Fields, uh, Jalen Hurts. So those are all quarterbacks who have either gone to the Super Bowl, been in playoff games. Uh, Jordan Love, I thought, made huge uh, strides uh, uh, this year. Jalen Hurts has been uh, in, in a Super Bowl. And I really feel when you're starting to look at the, uh, the, the four, at least the four top quarterbacks, that you're starting to look at the possibility of a 2020 type of a class. It, it doesn't, it's not exactly the same, but I think in terms of impact, this group of quarterbacks is going to have that kind of an impact. We have him on the line. I believe the wires have been uncrossed. Jason Fitz, good morning. Does it feel like the Tua Herbert type of loaded draft for the quarterback class to you today? Yeah, it does, actually. And I love that comp. And I think what we have to remember is that through that process, it becomes really important to do your homework and figure out who you're comfortable with. It becomes really important to go back and watch every ounce of the tape. And then it becomes really important to answer your questions about the why, right? Like, because – J.J. McCarthy is the greatest example of this. Like, I mean, I, I talked to somebody uh, last week that said if J.J. McCarthy had been in a more explosive audi- uh, offense, we would think of him the same way we think of Burrow. And I keep it. That's mm. the third time I've heard that in the last couple of weeks. I think that's a little absurd to me. But you have to look at it and say, okay, what was that team doing and why? So I, I just think that the meetings, the interviews, the film breakdowns are going to be so key here. This is where we as an organization of fans have to sit back and say, hey, the guys that are in the building have a job for a reason. Now they need to do their job. They're going to need to analyze the quarterback position really thoroughly and just figure out which flavor of ice cream they want the most. Jason, uh, this is a conversation that I had, part of a conversation that I had with an NFL general manager who I totally respect and knows that all I'm ever asking you to do is give it to me straight. <laughs> you know, and I'll never use your name or anything like that. And, and he gives it to me straight, whether it's good or bad. And my question to him was, looking at things uh, from the perspective of the team that I cover, the Raiders, am I wrong to really like J.J. McCarthy? And the answer was, not wrong at all. I love that kid. And I think it's just so interesting about him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, when, when Jim Harbaugh was, was being talked about as a potential head coach for the Raiders, a lot of Raider fans were scared that he was automatically going to draft J.J. McCarthy. 
um, because they hadn't, I don't think, invested enough time in actually watching the kid play. But as the, the closer we get to the draft, and we're still a little ways away, but the closer we get to the draft, the more momentum is picking up for J.J. McCarthy. What are your thoughts on the Michigan quarterback? Look, I, I talked to Harbaugh about J.J., and I asked, like, why is it? I mean, my first question to Harbaugh that he danced around was, if you've got the greatest quarterback since Tom Brady, why do you not throw the ball more? And he didn't really appreciate that conversation. But <laughs> uh, as we continue to talk about J.J., I think one of the things that really stood out to me that – he said that I've had a couple of scouts echo to me since is that, look, when J.J. gets to Indy and has his opportunity, people there are going to figure out just how athletic he is, which we already know. They're, already, they're also going to find out that he can make absolutely every throw. And as we've talked about before, he's going to crush the interview. Like when you sit with J.J., you, you learn quickly. And somebody that covers college football told me, remember, he's been being groomed to be a pro quarterback since he was about eight years old. So, like, when you talk about a kid that carries himself the right way, that's part of it. But also, and I think this is the key to why people are going to fall in love with him, honestly. Harbaugh told me a story about J- uh, J.J. coming in and saying, hey, I saw this play on practice from like, or, uh, in a game from about 10 years ago. He, he has a photographic memory for watching football. So he saw a play that was run in a game 10 years before and went to Harbaugh and said, I remember that play. I think it will work. And Harbaugh's like, I haven't thought of that play in forever, but okay. <laughs> They, they put it in, and it worked in the national championship form. So I think that's part of what people are going to fall in love with. Like, we've all seen the Gruden remember the, the quarterback things where they go in and say, hey, break this play down. J.J.'s going to do every out of that. So I can't answer for anybody why Michigan didn't make their offense more about J.J., but I can tell you that he's going to crush it at the combine. He's going to crush it at the meetings. I I'd be pretty surprised if he's still available at 13. I still think he might have to move up to get JJ. Yeah, two things uh, and along those lines. First, I'm wondering if Jim Harbaugh looked at you and said, because we were kicking everybody's ass the way we were playing. We didn't need him to, number one. Uh, uh, Number two, what do you do if you're the Raiders? And I don't expect him to be there at 13 either. So, And I'm looking at the Vikings and and the Denver Broncos of two teams that they have to get ahead of because I don't think he gets past either of those two teams, even if he gets that, if he even gets that far. So where would you be comfortable the Raiders trading up? You know, I think the first goal is maybe to get to number three for a Jaden Daniels, but if that doesn't work out, where do you feel they need to get to for a JJ McCarthy? Yeah. And I think you're probably right by the way that, you know, the move, I think if you're the Raiders, you're going to have to have several different spreadsheets, basically, right. You're going to have the spreadsheet of what can we do if, if miraculously we can get to one, two or three, we right. all know that. And then, I, I, you know, when you look at the draft order, I think you've got to take a look at teams and say, okay, who doesn't need a quarterback and who needs some sort of help in the draft that's bigger than any one guy? And that's the big part that you got to look for a trade partner. And that's why, you know, for me, frankly, I look at Tennessee picking at seven. Mm-hmm. And I think Tennessee makes a ton of sense because Tennessee has their biggest needs are for offensive playmakers and offensive linemen. Well, guess what? You can move down to 13 and get a starting wide receiver or a starting tackle. Like, right. without question – you'll get one of those. So I look squarely at seven as sort of one of the places you could go to that's going to be open for business. And then it becomes about, I think if you're the Raiders, you got to be prepared for what would we be willing to move up for one, two, three, seven. And what do we move up? What are we willing to give up for which of these guys? They're really going to have to figure out who they're in love with. I, I keep hearing Bo Nix is going to rise up the boards too. I would be a little surprised by that. But ultimately, I would not be surprised by the time this is all said and done to see at least five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. And that's, that's pretty stunning. It, it, but, I mean, what are your other options around the league right now? I just 
I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is a viable option. I talked to Baker Mayfield at the Super Bowl. I don't think he's going anywhere away from Tampa Bay. Right. So, like, all, all of a sudden, you're going to find teams willing to overpay just to try and get one of those five guys. That's why Russell Wilson's going to make a pretty penny this up, upcoming offseason. I also hear that some people are saying he's going to be out of the league, which I find ridiculous. But uh, there, there are crazy things being thrown around in the world of sports. Jason Fitz, you don't do that because you're a true professional. You guys don't just throw the clickbait at the wall at Yahoo Sports. But uh, there is that conversation we have each and every year around the NBA All-Star game when there's no defense played and people get pissed. How offended are you that a glorified product placement exhibition game isn't something that's fought tooth and nail over? I mean, so here's the thing. Number one, uh, we keep blaming the NBA. I think we need to look in the mirror, blame ourselves. Ratings are up 20% on that game. And I'm not even just talking about ratings. Every day, Yahoo sent a social media team just to cover who was wearing what. They, mm. That's real because people click on that. So if fans really want the all-star game to change, then what fans need to do across the board is not only stop watching, stop clicking on anything related to it, because until it doesn't make anybody money, they're going to keep doing it. And the reality of it is fans aren't disciplined enough to do that. So, like, on the one hand, uh, yes, is the game an abomination? Sure. But if the league's making money and Indy made money and right. sponsors made money and all of these sort of parties make money, then it's never going to stop. So, like, I, I genuinely think that, as much as it's easy in these situations, same thing that we do all the time in the NFL. We always blame Roger Goodell for everything. Realistically, like we blame Roger Goodell for everything because it's easier than blaming Mark Davis. And at the end of the day, we should be blaming ourselves for a lot of these trends. Like we just got to stop watching. All right. So if people did stop watching, what would you, if you had the magic wand, do to fix it so that um, that players do take it more seriously? I'm kind of nebulous on that. I don't care that they don't take it seriously. Um, you know, there's plenty of more serious games, uh, more than the th- 1,200 of them. But if, if it got to the point where it needed to be saved because people aren't watching, what would you do to, uh, to try to get it juiced up? This is my innovative idea that could make me the czar of all things sports. <laughs> uh, so I would I'd take squid games. Basically, I'd have a huge bucket above the, above the actual floor. And every time a team makes a defensive stop of any sort, anytime a bucket isn't made and the possession changes over, I put half a million dollars in that bucket. And at the end of the game, the winning team splits whatever's in that bucket. So that you want to incentivize defense, then let's make it possession by possession, and let's put themselves in a situation where playing some physical defense causes a turnover, all of a sudden makes the team half a million dollars. By the time the end of that game goes through, got a bunch of guys that get rich and then you just open up the bucket and throw the cash down like confetti on the players so the winning team gets to keep all the cash from any of the defensive stops they make that's simple too which i like a lot better than what they were trying to do we're adding up the point totals from the first quarter and then we're going to long divide it and then we're going to take the average of the mean to everything and then we're going to figure out who is the big winner at the end and that's that's for me jason why do we have to anoint a winner and everything like why can't we just go out there and compete and then grab our ball and go home like and just and just play for an hour like that's that's literally what where my question's at but this weekend was our, our first weekend without big football taking over our lives i went out on the town a little bit i went downtown las vegas and i actually went to a, a pirate themed bar which I thought it's a little cheesy but at the same time it's fully immersive which I love and so if you had to open up an establishment where you serve libations whatever that means to you what kind of theme would you go for what, what do you think would be would, would resonate with the masses and yourself as well look I'm not I'm not saying that this is an original theme concept 
But I think uh, there's nothing better in the entire world than a quality karaoke bar. Mm. And so, like, this is what I would I would do a quality live band karaoke bar. Okay, so you got a live band back there, but instead of just making it like a dive bar, people regret walking into. Like, I would do like a prohibition style theme to it from the minute you walk into it. So it's fancy and it's swanky, and that way, like, if you're listening to somebody butcher turn the page, at least while you're listening to it, you're having like the whole the whole thing. I'm, I'm in love with speakeasies. Right now, in yeah. general, so give me a speakeasy karaoke bar, and all of a sudden, I'm in, live band karaoke. Though. Let's 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 it's, get the musicians. <laughs> yeah. It's a bar it. where I'm you can only it. drink in the bathroom stalls, right? That's the only <laughs> where, where place that's allowed. Make it exclusive; the masses will come. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not. Look, and, and there's plenty. Nashville is famous for plenty of bars that are just intentionally awful. Like there was one bar, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of it, but uh, oh, Trailer Park. Uh, it's an inventive <laughs> name, but they had uh, the Trailer Park at Lower Broadway at the time had AstroTurf all over the place, and they, they legitimately made the inside look and feel like a low-budget trailer park. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, that place was packed. Like, it was packed every single night. People fell in love with that. So, you know, maybe maybe there's some lowbrow instead of highbrow. I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I respect the heck out of a pirate park because it always makes me think of Par Rescue, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and I love Par Rescue, and John Taffer rescued a par in Baltimore. There was a pirate bar, and they hated everything you did, so they turned it back to a pirate bar after you left. I'm there like, you go. That's right, because you can't change the soul of a pirate bar. Not even John Taffer can. No, no doubt about it. We're talking to the great Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports. All right, so there's a uh, sports documentary coming out uh, about Roger Federer. Uh, I think it gets released sometime next month. I'm fascinated by Roger Federer and his greatness. Uh, can't wait to watch it. Uh, but if there is a subject that hasn't been documenticized, if that's even a documenticized. word. Documenticized. <laughs> is there something that, that you're itching to see in terms of a documentary? Or maybe there's something that's going on in real time. Mine would be Caitlin Clark. Put a camera around her, and five years down the line, I'd love to see a documentary about this period of her life. Is there something that's, that you're itching to see in a documentary, whether it's been something that we can that, that's already happened or is currently happening? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, I would always take more documentaries on the UNLV teams uh, that I grew up mm. on because I think there's plenty of stories to tell there. But yeah. I will keep my Vegas background for this. Like, I really would love to have a behind-the-scenes look at everything that went down when Gretzky was traded from the Oilers to the Kings. Mm. And all of a sudden, the weight of the world of making hockey popular in America, which I think we forget was part of like why everybody had all eyes on that. And then that team... I mean, you have Barry Melrose, you had Luke Robitaille, like you had all these sort of rock star personalities on this team. And I would love to know behind the scenes the adjustment of the guys that had come from Edmonton and then gone to L.A. and like what that life adjustment was like, what that hockey adjustment was like, the pressure they felt representing hockey for all of North America. And then, you know, coming up just a little short in the Stanley Cup final. Like I just I think that's. I'm surprised no one in sports has told the story of that Kings team. And if they have, I haven't seen it. We were, I was working for the Lakers at the time, and we shared uh, the forum with the Kings. Uh, Dr. Buss had just tra- just sold uh, the Kings to Bruce McNall, I think his name was. And so we uh, we knew earlier in the day that that was happening. And, and it was one of those things where you can you have one, if you have one friend in your life that, that can keep a secret, call him. Because we know that you're wanting to let this out to, to somebody. So that was the one where you just called and said, you're not going to believe this, but the Kings are about ready to get Wayne Gretzky. And it was just a seminal day. I'll never, ever forget that day because it was like the King or so, somebody just an unbelievable turn of events for the Kings to get Wayne Gretzky, who for my money was the best hockey player of all time. So that brings back some really good memories. Yeah, and that, that was also when they then changed the uh, the, the uniform, yep. the, the sweaters to look silver and black and 
that was cool. And like uh, up to that point, my dad, my dad was always a big hockey fan. And so, but we didn't have any way to watch the Oilers games. So like he had a friend that would record the entire Stanley cup uh, playoff run for Edmonton and then send this huge box of VHS tapes. We'd sit down long after it was done and we watched the whole thing. So for, to have gone from watching this and being like, oh, my God, this is the best hockey player in the world. Uh, we'll never get to see him live. But all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he's just a few hours down the road right. and representing sort of L.A. hockey. Like, that was just, for me, yeah, put my old guy hat on. That was such a surreal moment. I think that's a great story to yeah, tell. Absolutely. Underground oiler tape circulation. That just, you want to talk about how far we've come and how much technology has changed sports. There, There's a, a very good example there, Jason. I know that you're working on a lot of great stuff at, at Yahoo, and, and we're, a lot of people are on vacation this week, convenient for our business, but I know you're not. So what do you have uh, cooking this week in terms of interviews and, and projects? Yeah, so we just, you know, Yahoo takes it. We take a little step back, so we just uh, narrow down to two shows. So uh, yesterday we put up uh, our Zero Blitz show, so Michael Lajuna came and hung out with me. And then on Thursday we do inside coverage still where I talk to our insiders. And that will be an interesting one with free agency coming around the yeah. corner. So always fun to, to hang out but with that. But, yeah, now our, our schedule goes Back just a little bit, then we'll start ramping up for the NFL draft, as everybody knows. Excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love your uh, commitment to the nation, no matter what time of year it is. Thank you so much for joining us again, Jason. We appreciate you. Appreciate it, you guys. Have a great week. You, you too, too, friend. There he goes, Jason Fitz of Yahoo Sports and underst- Fox Sports Radio and all the great things. I don't understand why, uh, because, you know, he was talking about the Edmonton Oilers, and it was a dynasty. I mean, they were just so good and right before them was the islanders who were also i think they won at least four straight and then the and then edmonton you mm-hmm. know uh knocked them off and then they ran off a, a, a slew of championships i don't i don't I'm not quite sure why hockey doesn't have that anymore like a like like a true dynasty where somebody is just because it's so hard with the salary cap and l- the way that roster um construction has gone in the last 10 years especially where almost everybody about 10 years ago that was any like worth in terms of free agent got a no movement clause and so when you have so many of those in the water there's just stagnant growth movement everything else and teams stay the way that they are so there's a lot of free agency moving in, in hockey? there is and there's not it, it just de- it just that... depends because yeah. you know like i kind of compare free agency more with baseball because some years are better than others in crops but in terms of where you're at if you're not a superstar player and you're trying to get value it's really hard. We saw a lot of players because the salary cap's been stagnant for the last few years because of the the pandemic and escrow and all this stuff. I don't understand, but I know that the cap is finally going to grow by like whole two million or four million dollars, which is big potatoes in NHL compared to football. It's it's hilarious. But a lot of people signed one year deals this year, maybe for a little bit more money, maybe with a team that they normally wouldn't sign with because they know that that next contract in the offseason is going to have a bump. Teams are going to have more room. Kind of how the NBA did with that TV contract a few years ago when Delavadova got like damn near 100 mil. Like it was, there's just these moments where if you're around and you're able to take advantage, you can make a lot of money. And it just, that hasn't been the NHL the last few years because. They're in a different financial situation than all the other professional sports yeah, leagues. Yeah, it just it's just and and it's they've they've always been where they've been, you know, yeah. in terms of the in terms of all the sports. But it felt like you were able to maybe keep cores intact, mm-hmm. like and and that's why I was asking. Well, you, and so I don't I forget movement. the free agency stuff too back in the day because like 
Gretzky and the Islanders and all those dynasties. Th- those are stuff that my dad grew up watching. So I'm like, I, I respect so the hell out of it. Am I familiar with any of it? Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, no, but they were no. But so free agency and the movement, I, I think that would probably inhibit it too. But I, I got to think that you were a little bit moving around in the 80s. But I could be wrong in my history on not, that. Not, not really. I mean, yeah. uh, I think I think they always tried to. I think most of the sports tried to quell. Movement of course, like that. and um, you know, and uh, that's why we need unions. Yeah, and and this is a union show. Sh- sh- yeah, uh, for for sure. And uh, but there's also something to be said about as as long as as long as you know the uh, as, as long as the money is dispersed correctly. Like you were talking about the salary cap mm-hmm. in the NHL, that's all predicated on revenue. Um, I right. don't know what their take is compared to the owners, but typically it's right around fifty percent. Right. Well, in gate. Revenue is the biggest piece of the pie in the NHL compared to other sports. More than television? Oh, Vinny. Yeah, 100%. 100% hockey. And that's, I think that's why hockey got into such a precarious situation during the pandemic because just like everybody else, they're like, well, we have to keep playing. But you need to be in the building to really make money in, in professional hockey. You need people buying concessions, buying all that stuff. Yeah. The, the TV contracts aren't the same. Yeah, I don't even know what I, I don't know what no. what 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 they are, but it's almost uh, like the lack of diversity holds them back in every aspect of their business. It's fascinating. Yeah, um, or maybe just people aren't yeah fans. You know, uh, it's, and and I know for me, growing up in California, and we did have the Kings, and Gretzky did show up, but it was like a, it was a niche sport for because sure. We didn't play it. Right. As a kid, how, you don't play it. How are you accessible? How would it be accessible to you in California? You'd have to go to a, a rink, and, right. the, and those were like pay for ice. They're, 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 those were. Pretty far away. Yeah, like, pretty far away. So there's gas, ice. If you're going to rent it alone, which is a privilege in and of itself, that's going to be more like, uh, back in the day. I don't know what the pricing is, but now it's probably close to 300 bucks per hour. Uh, is that as did, an individual? If you want to rent out a rink for an hour, it's probably close to 300. It's probably more here now because there's not enough rinks around to really keep prices down. Like I, Minnesota, we got rinks everywhere, yeah. so prices. But are But what you're saying, rent it out? Are you saying as a person or as a league? Like a like a like you rent a, an hour of ice. It could be through the association for a game. It could be for figure skating lessons. It could be for forever. You just like you can go out and buy an hour of ice, and then well, do you have to? Are you going to do rental skates? You're going to buy the skates. You do rental skates, twenty bucks. But if you have your skates because you're you want to take this seriously, right. those are about five hundred. Yeah. Uh, and and the kids grow, so you it's get them a much, lot. It's much more accessible now, like in California and here too. I mean, you could if you're in, mm. if you're if you're here in Las, I don't know if you're here in Las Vegas where the king where the uh, Golden Knights practice. You also have that other ice where I always, whenever I'm in there, I always see there might be more opportunity. I don't know if there's more accessibility though. In I terms of ice time, of, in terms like of rinks. just hockey in general, I think that it's it's so. Um, I know in California they built a bunch of those. Correct. So that there's more recreational. But it's not. It's not like leagues. there's local youth leagues. No, like it's. I, I know, Vinny, but this is travel hockey. This is different. That's not in-house mighty mites. Like this is a different. But that's what thing. I am talking about. Like, right. like little league. Like like little league. Right. Obviously, in baseball, there's going to be travel ball also. But there's a little league component. Like you can go play little Correct. league baseball. It was never. What I'm saying is, it was never like that. For hockey, and, yeah, correct. Now, 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 there's leagues in every little city in right. In, in, in but California. again, there's opportunity for people that can pay admission to get through the door. But in terms of getting p- kids in pads that normally wouldn't, like if I grew up in any other place than Minnesota, there's no way I would have been able to afford to play hockey. And yeah. half of my friends who went and and did great things with the sport as well, they wouldn't have been able to afford to play hockey. But because everybody's got used equipment, everybody's got a pair of skates. There's ponds. It's just part of the culture there. We were able to get in the door, have the skill, and then have that commitment. Versus, there's really no casual brushes with hockey 
Yeah. And so it's just, it doesn't, that's what I mean in, in lack of diversity. It's like you have to have money to play this sport. I think, I think and most a lot of people don't like that. I, I agree, but hockey's yeah. a different thing when every piece of equipment costs at least True. 300 bucks no, and then you grow six no, inches and you got to do it all over again. Yeah, it's no, awful. No, no, no doubt so, about that, but it is. Yeah, that's hockey. Nobody's though. giving anything away for free. No, no, absolutely not. And uh, we're here doing our show for free. Not really. We're paid to do the show, but we're here doing doing a service to the nation. And uh, we still got plenty to get into here. Thanks to Jason Fitz for joining us as he does each and every Tuesday. Jesse Merrick is going to join us at 9 a.m. But I do want to get into this talk about Roger Federer and how we're we're documenting greatness and whether or not what we've seen in the last 20 years and what's been accomplished, all these GOAT conversations, what's enabled that and and how legitimate are those conversations in terms of comparing eras morning tailgate lindsey brown benny bone senior we'll be right back after this one of these times i'm gonna get it one of these times i'm gonna get it vin dog i've been told that your mic is low and uh there's no volume problem for me shocking what'd uh, you think of the um i was just thinking of this the, the dj at the super bowl cascade Oh, I'm a fan. Right, wasn't it? I'm a fan. Uh, anybody music. that can spin a stack and get a vibe going, I'm a fan of for the most part. I, I don't know if there's a stack anymore. <laughs> it all looks computerized. Oh, it's a digital stack. Yes. And just like how people are probably listening to us on the radio, if they have a dial in their car, or maybe you're on the app, right? Or maybe you're podcasting in the future. We're technically time travelers, if you really think about it, Vin Dog. Any picture that's been taken, you're looking straight back into a time machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just blow your mind right there. Welcome to Tuesday morning after a three-day weekend. Morning, tailgaters and Raider Nation. We're happy that you're here with us. Uh, We just got into a conversation with uh, Jason Fitz about many a thing. But, Vinny, you brought this up, and you wanted to dust it up a little bit about Roger Federer's upcoming Mm -hmm. documentary. And and when you called me yesterday at 9 in the morning because you were going to get to a winery and and, and have a day with the fam. Which didn't happen, by the way. Didn't happen. But we did go to uh, Jade 67, 68. It's over at the M Hotel. Oh, yeah? It's a rooftop. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. God, your first chair. Working those partnerships like crazy. Doesn't matter. I haven't been to the M yet. Yeah. Well, and that's your side of town too. That's that's, oh come out. It's it's out there. I gotta do that. I was at I was at the the pirate bar on Saturday. I love when people in Las Vegas say it's out there. Yeah, well, it is. It's not. You can see it in the distance. Yeah, but, but, but like relatively speaking. No, well, I mean, <laughs> it's not. Is it eight hours across the Canadian border? No. It's is it three even, hours by LA traffic? No. It's like twenty minutes. It's still it, when you see it across the yeah, land. Yeah, of course, of course. It took me about four or five months when I moved out here to adjust to driving around because in Minnesota, like we got trees. You're just kind of. You're on the highway. You see what's around the highway. You see the exits and everything else. But here, you can see 30 damn miles off into the distance. And here I am yeah. on this giant bridge just trying to stay on the edge, Mario Kart. And we're also up. Like, uh, yeah. your side of this, I guess, we're on your side of town now. You're, you're, there's an incline. There's, so yeah, you're, you're looking down, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and into a valley. The Las Vegas is a valley. So, sure. um, uh, pretty cool, but go ahead on Roger Yeah, Federer. about Roger Federer, because uh, with tennis and and just the moment that I've grown up in, because I'm 31 years old, I'm, I'm not scared about talking my age, but there, there, when I was coming up, I was watching people like Serena Williams, mm-hmm. like, like Tiger Woods, like Roger Federer, all these athletes that were not only breaking barriers in a lot of different ways, but they were breaking the mold of what we could expect for an athlete, especially when it came to longevity. 
And I think there is a merging of, of technology and quantifiable data, all of that kind of coming into, into really fashion in the 90s as these people were starting to compete at, at a young age. And then you also have the extra added health advancements. I mean, we're talking about surgeries, whether or not Kirk Cousins is going to be viable, the Achilles, like, just Dancing the difference around. 10 years makes in, in Achilles recoveries. And when we talk about Roger, which I could nerd out about all the things I'm obsessed with him about his tennis stroke and, and just all the different ways that he's changed the game. For me, he will always be the the best tennis player. And I hate doing the best because that's the only conversation we ever have. But it's not about the number of, of major titles because he was the one that, that broke that record. I think it was Sampras that held it, at least on the men's side. And, and, you know, Nadal has eclipsed him. Djokovic has eclipsed him. The Alcaraz kid from Spain is probably going to be unbelievable too. But there's something to be said about how efficient he was and the grace that he played a game that commands a lot of hard work from you and how effortless he looked when he played it. Mm -hmm. And so what are you most excited to, to learn about Roger in this upcoming documentary? Do you know if it's a series? Is it just one film or is it like multiple episodes? I do not know the answer to that question. Okay, I'll look that up while, um, you're, while you're talking. But, you know, uh, I just, uh, you know, uh, to your point, just the greatness and the grace that he's played with. Uh, he he, he um, appears to be a true gentleman. Uh, I've seen some interviews, uh, things that he's done, you know, in the community and gracious acts that he's had mm -hmm. um, just being just being a, a gentleman. And you bring up a good point uh, about about greatness and the goats and this and that. And uh, it's 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 I've said this a million times, but I defer to Kobe Bryant on this when I literally had a conversation about him with this. And he's like, it's an unanswerable question. Right. Because I don't dabble in unanswerable questions. I get why we do. He goes, but when you really think about it, it's still at the end of the day, somebody's opinion. So, so, and you're going to have a different opinion than that person. Right. So it's not. There's no way to actually quantify it. There's right. zero way to do it. So why do we even bother now? And 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 here's his point too. This is what he said. He goes, my only obligation is to just do the best in my era, mm -hmm. and wherever that lands me in everyone's opinion in the whole big scheme of things is going to be up to somebody. I can't control that, so I'm not going to worry about it. But what I can control is how well I play in my era, and I want to dominate my era. I want to be the best mm -hmm. in my era. I don't know if I'll ever be that, but that's my goal. And it was I always felt like that was a noble uh, goal. Yeah. And, and the other part of that, Lindsay, is that, um, you know, I may say some names that you're going to laugh at, John McEnroe and Boris and, no, and Beyond Boris, because I, I think there's icons, I, and I think that there's we do it in reverse. We do it in in looking forward and looking back. We 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 tend to uh, hold on to our little era mm -hmm. and try to discredit what's going to happen in, in front of us and what's already happened. And I think it's a laughable argument to have that, a laughable position, and a, kind of I always say lazy position to have it. Because there's so many different factors that play into um, all of this. And not everybody, like somebody that said, would say, well, Babe Ruth wouldn't be able to succeed. Why? He had the bat speed. He was, a, he was a good, you know, for his time, obviously, he was the best of all. But you put him in today's game with today's nutrition, today's science, today's everything, today's year-round. Who's to say he's not going to be uh, a great player, continue to be a great player? Right. And so when we when we judge eras, we never take into account like in tennis, and I think Federer would have been great then. 
I think John McEnroe would be great now. And mm-hmm. because Federer would have adjusted to whatever the. You, you only have the tools that right. are at your disposal he, at the time. He would have he would have adjusted and been great with with those tools. Right. In that era, just as a guy like Bjorn Borg and Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe would excel in this era with with this technology. Right. Well, and that tennis is such an interesting sport to use in this exercise because technology I think is a lot more intrusive in that sport than it is in say basketball or even baseball to an extent. Like in baseball all of a sudden they started using metal bats. We know that that's never going to happen because that's a huge safety thing, but mm-hmm. that's essentially what happened in tennis. Yeah. Cuz the thing about with Roger Federer and and what what I emulated my one-handed backhand uh, off of is I don't know if Roger Federer could sculpt the shots that he did so often if he were playing in the Borg and and the McEnroe and the Wood Racket era. Went, More remember, of a rally game? Yeah, well, serve and volley, it wasn't power. And you think about the surface area of the racket and, and just like the sweet spot, and again, I don't mean to get super nerdy, but you think about how much – the racket does the work for you these days versus 40 years ago where the wood racket, you have to hit it perfect. This is what your swing has to be. There's no shortening of it. Like it's, it's a lot more choppy, right? Versus what Federer was able to do. And so many other tennis players that are, are, are just as great in a lot of different ways with the spins and, and the slicing and the deceptiveness too. There there's, I don't have to, sh- my, my shots don't have to be so distinctive when it comes to hitting a top spin versus a flat type of forehand, because I have a racket that does a lot of the work for me or in golf right now with all of the big drivers like the Bryson DeChambeau's where we have to rethink how we uh, design golf courses because like 10 dudes can now drive it 380 yards right and so that changes the way that you approach the game. Not because the they're game. stronger, but because no, the No, they have the technology. Yeah. And, and, and so I am going to get stronger, and I am going to know exactly my ball flight, and I am going to be able to quantify and do that. And, and when it comes to that conversation or that argument we constantly have between eras, it kind of reads to me as I'm trying to make sure that I feel special and that other people know that this is a special thing. Like, my era was special. You know, and it just feels like everybody's and it trying was. to, and it what, but exactly, but and all so are, mine, and but so all are, exactly. Yeah, exactly, but that's where it just it feels like it's an olymp, it's like a competition again to be the best to have seen the 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 best time of sports, the golden era. I was at this game, I I did this. It just feel, more internalized competition instead of a, a general appreciation for what this era is right. for for Charles Barkley and all of what he was able to accomplish in the way that he played the game it's it's we, same thing in tennis cuz like Andy Murray didn't win as many majors as he could have because the other three were doing it right right there's always going to be there's always going to be that but it doesn't always, mean yeah. you're not a beautiful player no of course not uh, absolutely not and uh, you know I, m- my kids their their greatest of all time in basketball is LeBron James mm-hmm. that's who they have how are they supposed to know that magic was just as good potentially, or Michael Jordan for that matter. Right. They don't have that reference. They don't have the point. uncle sending them the VHS tapes. Well, there's the, and, there's and not that the anymore. Other, here's the other thing: you can't replicate real time. True. I don't care how many times you go back um, for somebody that's never watched uh, John McEnroe play or Magic Johnson play. Mm-hmm. You 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 already kind of know what the results are. It's not like it's it's you're not caught up in the heat of the moment because that always I think pushes greatness too. Like when you're watching. When my kids were watching LeBron against Steph, let's say, yeah, and you like elevate. in real time, like yep. now, tomorrow's game too. They're nervous, you know, 
and, and, and seeing it in real time and not knowing what the outcome is going to be and who's going to prevail in this moment. That's what shapes your idea of who the greatest is. And all we're they're looking at it through their lens. How right. can I expect them to look at it from any other body? But that's through? where the lens to me is is faulty. Like, why do we have to look at everything first through who is the greatest? And that's what I try to – that's the point that I try to – because right. I've been around long enough that I've seen greatness in all of these dif- different, you know, eras and whatnot. And I'm not going to say – I can't – like, it's still just my opinion on who the – if I was starting a team today, it still would be Magic Johnson. Right. I felt like he got it right away and was a facilitator and, you know – but mm-hmm. I could totally understand why Michael Jordan or Kobe or Shaq or whoever it is that that or LeBron that you feel this is who I would have started my team right. with, and it's it's and it's, it's and that's okay. It's all about yeah. It's just your opinion, man. Right, exactly. We all got one, and I, I just or many. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just uh, uh, you know I, I have to laugh at people that just dig so much into their position that mm-hmm. they cannot see anything else. When I'm like, they're all. That's what I mean. They're we're all we're always trying to win something. Life's not always about winning something, whether it's, it's your argument, the game, like whatever. Sometimes it's just I'm here to appreciate this moment where I got to see a great athletic feat and it was on this afternoon and I knew what I knew about the world at this time and then everything changed after. Now, that. I'll say this. Some of my favorite, funnest, that's not a word, but the most fun conversations are those arguments. Yeah. So there's something – it's but not it's, that serious. It's, it, but it's the only one we have. And the, my, my, my point is is that it's always the first point we make, and we always have the most steam for the first point we always make, not necessarily for the second and third. So that's yeah. why it's like, how about we ask a different question first, then we get to the GOAT debate later we because just, yeah, we can – We would talk about it in, right. in, 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 at the barbershop, the barbershop sure. conversations. And those were fun. And, you, right. you know, you're like – at the end of the day, you shook each other's hands. You know, uh, you have your position, I have mine. And those are fun conversations to have. As long as it's kept in that perspective, it's right. fine. But some people get it, take it a little bit too seriously. Well, we're arguing all the time now, not just in the barbershop. Now we're arguing through the phones and everything else. And if you want to contact us, we have a great number that you can use to do that. It works for the text line. It works for the phone line. That phone number is... 702-365-9200. Is there a documentary that you want to see? Is there something that's happening in real time that five years down the road you want to get the inside scoop on? Um, is there something that, uh, that that's already happened? Maybe it's about Jackie Robinson. Maybe it's about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Muhammad Ali or something. A, a great Cruella docu- DeVille. A great, yes. do- a great documentary, a, a subject. It could be, I'm, you know what I'm in there right now? Organized crime documentaries. Oh Lucky Luciano and the Gambinos, and it's just really interesting to me to th- these people that have taken deep dives dives into it and uh, and explored it. I'm I, I love it. I love those types of subjects. I'm a documentary uh, person. But is there something out there that uh, some subject, whether it's sports or life or anything, music? Uh, give us a call 702-365-9200 and let us know what you want to be you want to see be made into a documentary. I know. I know, that was a long commercial break. I know, I'm sorry. This is why you don't ask grinders to go score the goals, right? You got you to gotta know your role, and my role is not doing math. And so we have <laughs> a whole nother hour of the morning tailgate on the way, but I am getting some correspondence on the Twitter from Jason Newton, who's uh, locked R- into our, 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 yeah, whatever, whatever you say, Elon. <laughs> uh, he's locked into our conversation about uh, the accessibility for hockey sent to me he goes i just rented ice in minnesota this weekend for my 18 triple a team cost was 173 dollars nice in san jose california a sheet of ice for an hour is around 600 
-hmm. He later on went on to say crazy what AAA costs these days because that's pretty much the only model that exists now uh, because especially playing on the West Coast, SoCal teams are averaging close to $48,000 per season. And I think our group in San Jose are in the 35K. And that, my friends, is lack of diversity in hockey. Good luck. If you're not rich, you probably ain't playing. You probably ain't playing. Anything else, Vin? I I don't know to yeah yeah I mean I, it's 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 sad to say but yeah. everything costs nowadays. everything does and as yeah. you said earlier uh, most travel ball costs a lot of money too correct correct baseball. and and that's where it's really sad to see sports kind of being priced out of a, a lot of people's youths or at least for it to be as constant of a presence as it was for for myself for you and so uh, save those monies and uh, make sure. You're ready to go. And, you know, like, I, I know, you know my, my, my niece played softball. She was a uh, – she could have gone Division One. She stopped playing. She ended up playing at NYU um, when, when, she, when she was there. But she was on the travel ball circuit. And I remember – because I, I introduced my brother to it. Yeah. I was covering softball when I was a high school writer. And uh, he, he used to call me from, like, the ends of the world just cussing me out. Like, why did you – Right. You know, Another weekend spent the, – right. the biggest thing is the ball of twine besides Denver, the softball Colorado, Utah, this tournament, that yeah. tournament, uh, Ontario, up in Santa Barbara. Like, and it would be a weekend, a whole weekend. Every weekend. So if you were to add it all up for a, 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 a family that has an aspiring softball player, you know, I'm not going to say it's it's as much as hockey, but it's – It's still a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot It's still ridiculous. Money. Yeah. Um so and and fortunately we still have, you know, for the um, just the, the the kids that want to play and, and get some exercise, we still have little league. We still have just the regular leagues. Some you know, do, yeah. Not not necessarily the the travel ball for maybe the higher end kids, and it is. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is to all I, that I, because I people don't are either. people make money. It, exactly, and that's, that's where it's it's turned into too big of a rat race where you have a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on pumping out the next level of of kid that's going to hopefully go professional most of us don't and or so, just get a college scholarship correct too. correct that's and a very so it's, big goal exactly and so it, it's it's a big problem we're not sure how many solutions it'll take but either way we have another hour to unpack these things Lindsay and Vinny here until 10 a.m this is the morning tailgate we'll be right back with jesse merrick from news 3 lv